0: This does sound, that's wonderful when you press the button, magical things happen. Open your Bibles to John chapter 20, that's where we're going to be camping out today. And again, thank you children for leading us so well today. And I don't know how you've been processing the past week in your life and in the life of this country, but um, you know, we must remember this, that it's because of the service of our veterans that we have the umbrella of freedom to hold peaceful elections, amen? Yeah, we can clap for that. And it also means we have the umbrella of freedom to hold peaceful protests when I guess we don't like the way things are going in our country. But you know, that's a freedom we have too because of the service of veterans. And you know, it also means we can, we can worship in a place like this and have the freedom to worship. So there's a lot of umbrella of grace and freedom that we enjoy here today. And again, can we just say thank you to veterans for providing that under God's provision in our life? I don't know about you, but I kind of feel like I need to catch my spiritual breath. Uh, this uh, past week, this past month, and just the life cycle of our country, and in this the season that we're in, it's easy to get distracted, isn't it? Oh, I'm the only one. Okay, I, that's good. Yeah, I thought not. But you know, I have a few questions uh, for us as we reorient ourselves to Jesus and his mission. Anyone here looking for more peace in his or her life today? Three of you? That's good. Anyone looking for more peace in the world? Yeah, more of you there. How about this? How do I find the presence of God in my daily life? Now, how will your next year of serving God be different than today? Here's another question we may need to ask. How will the world be a better place because of Mandarin Baptist Church and our place in it? How will our city be better because of mandarin baptist church you see addressing these questions means that we see our life in christ as a journey not a pleasure cruise we're on a mission just like our veterans receive a commission to be on a mission you see they started these cruises out of new york i don't know if you heard of them but you get on the cruise ship and everybody gets on and you go out of the port and you circle around in the ocean for three or four days and you just kind of circle around and you enjoy the buffet and you enjoy the entertainment but you don't go anywhere And at the end of three or four days, you just kind of come back to the port where you started. They call it a cruise to, yeah, you've heard of these. Some of you may have been on some of them, right? And it's just to kind of enjoy the time. And, you know, I have to wonder as I think about that, is my spiritual life like a cruise to nowhere? Sometimes I think our country is on a cruise to nowhere that important anymore, unfortunately. Well, we're going to address that this morning. In fact, this is a message that I was able to share with some of our uh, Wednesday night prayer group crowd a few weeks ago and had a great lively discussion. I appreciate Colonel Dan giving me the opportunity to do that. In fact, I think we did it without you even knowing it. We kind of, I kind of slipped in on that. But uh, afterwards, we had a great conversation, and some of those uh, dear saints said, Rick, we need to share this message with more. So here we are today. So in John chapter 20, beginning in verse 19, we find Jesus stepping into the upper room. They are hiding, the disciples are hiding out, they're fearful, they're, this is after the resurrection but they're, they're just, they're, they're uh, very distraught and they're troubled and it says this in verse 19. In the evening of that first day of the week, the disciples were gathered together with the doors locked because of their fear of the Jews. Then Jesus came, stood among them and said to them, "'Peace to you!' Having said this, he showed them his hands and his side, so the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord." Jesus said to them again, Peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. After saying this, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for the scriptures in general. We thank you for this passage. Uh, It is so powerful. It is so clear. Lord, may it be a lamp unto our feet that would keep us from straying and be a light into our path that keep us from stumbling. May we follow you as a result of what this passage says today and all God's people said. Amen. Now, I've got a sermon with seven points, so buckle up. Uh, we're gonna, we're gonna do this fast. We're not gonna spend a whole lot of time on each point. You might wanna write these down in your prayer guide. I think they're gonna come up, uh, on the screen, but I, I call this Save to Live Sent. Save to lend. So I'm just going to pull out some principles from this passage and see what this would mean for us today as we're kind of processing forward here. First of all, it says, notice that it says, we are sent with an example to follow. We are sent with an example to follow. Jesus said to them, just as the Father sent me. That means that we need to think about the nature in which Jesus was sent, right? He said, just as I was sent, now you are sent. Well, how was Jesus sent? Well, here's a few thoughts. From all the glory of heaven, Jesus was sent to the slums of a backwater Jewish outpost. From all the peace and joy in paradise to a noisy, dirty, sinful world. From the safety of the angelic guards to the dangers of this world. From a place of no need to a place of great and constant need. From a place with no sin and no death to a culture of pervasive disease and a culture of death. No one has ever gone further and paid a a greater price than the one we call Lord. And if we are to pattern our life after Jesus of Nazareth, Nazareth, you need to understand you are patterning your life after that of a missionary, one who has gone a far place. So if you are a follower of Jesus, your life should exhibit that of a missionary. You ought to be able to find in your resources and in your calendar things that would show your sentness. The idea that you are following after a missionary, it would be like uh, Colonel. If one of our uh, military officers came in here this morning and they had the full regalia and uniform on, head to toe, and the ribbons and everything, and they stood here, and we said, "This is wonderful. Look at this officer of our armed forces," and we said, "Now tell us where are you serving," and they said, "Oh no, I'm not serving anywhere. I just like being in the military and wearing the uniform." We'd say, "Well, where is your commission?" And so I, I don't have one. I just like being, you know, an officer. Can, can we just be honest for a second? Sometimes we think that that would be insane, right? But why is it in the church that seems to be okay sometimes? That we can kind of wear the uniform and, and kind of go through the motions and kind of look the part. But when somebody were to ask us, where are you sent? What is your commission? What is your nine square feet of the Great Commission? We might stumble on knowing how to answer that. How are you Living sent. In John seventeen eighteen in his high priestly prayer, Jesus prayed this same commission over us, that we would take his place in the world. You realize that being in the world is the intended location for the Christian, right? We're supposed to be in the world, for God so loved the world that he, what? Gave. We're to be in the world, but not of the world. Let me ask you a question for you Navy people out there. What's the intended place for a boat or a ship? In the water, right? I mean, if we're going to go out here on San Jose Boulevard after church today, and we find a boat out there on San Jose Boulevard just sitting there, something's gone horribly wrong, right? (laughs) The intended place is for the boat to be in the water. You see, no boat, please hear this, no boat has ever sunk because it was in the water. The boat sunk because there was too much water in the boat. You see, we're supposed to be in the world, but not letting the world get into us. Too much water in the ship. So be in the world. Number two, not only do we have a pattern to follow, we are sent with the experience of God's peace. A call to salvation in Christ is not a call to a pain-free, risk-free life. Please hear that. In fact, some of the most dangerous situations I've been in my life have been following hard after Jesus. But I'll tell you, he, he promises his presence and his peace even in the midst of whatever circumstances come our way. You see, think about it for a moment. The disciples are were scared, weren't they? They were huddled up in that upper room. The authorities were coming after them. They were on the wrong side of the law of the governing bodies that day. Can I just tell you, to be a follower of Jesus in our culture today, we are going to increasingly be opposed. Now, I'm not going to say persecuted here in America, because we, we know what persecution looks like around the world. But I will say that we're going to be increasingly opposed. Do you hear that? If you want to follow Jesus in the teachings of this book, it will mean that increasingly you are going to teach in ways that will oppose the statues and laws of this great land. Why? Because the culture is not moving towards a biblical worldview. The culture is moving away from the biblical worldview. That's the world we live in. But Take heart, believer. Be encouraged. He gives us his peace right in the middle of whatever kind of chaos we find ourselves in. He steps into the middle of that. And what's the first thing he says to them? Peace. Shalom. We can have ultimate peace, and that is peace with God, and no earthly circumstance can rob you of that peace with God. And then he showed him his wounds, his hands and his side, because why? Because that act on the cross is the means by which we can have peace. He wasn't just showing up like saying, you know, hey, peace, you know. He was saying, peace, peace. You can have peace, the ultimate peace, because we have peace With God because of his penalty, our penalty that he paid on the cross. And that is everlasting peace. So, we have an example. We have the peace. But look at the third thing. We are sent with the empowering of the Holy Spirit. The empowering of the Holy Spirit. Look back at verse 22. Jesus breathed on them and said... He, just as he breathed life into Adam back in Genesis, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Jesus has all authority, and through the empowering of the Holy Spirit, we have everything we need to accomplish the mission. Whatever God is calling you to do, you already have everything you need because you have the empowering of the Holy Spirit. Think about this. I love what Tony Evans says. He says, you know, in North America, our problem in following hard after Jesus It's not that we don't have time. We have time. We have the same amount of time we've always had, and uh, you know, TV watching and video game playing and walking around and chasing little virtual things when you're on your cell phone. By the way, I can see some of those things without my cell phone. I don't know if you can see them, but um, y'all don't see. Okay, we have plenty of time, right? In our culture, we have time. Uh, The problem isn't that we we don't have money. Most families in our culture have you know where their next meal is from. I know not everybody does, but most do, and, and we help those who, who don't. Most families have a car or two and smartphones. Our problem isn't time and resource. Our problem is priorities. Priorities. But look at number four, the next thing. We are sent with the expectation of obedience and fulfillment of the mission. You see, the reality is that as a follower of Jesus, you've already had Your commissioning service. We just read it. If you're waiting for that day or that moment when, when we're going to bring you down here in front of the church and, and have this big, you know, balloon drop thing or something, you know, and, and that's good. It's proper to pray over people when we send them. We do that frequently. But can I tell you, you don't have to have a service to be commissioned. We've already had the commissioning right here in God's Word. He said, just as the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. The question is, are we doing it? Because, you see, as, Southern, as a Southern Baptist congregation, we partner with thousands of other church, churches to send thousands of missionaries around the country and around the world. And, and we do have people from this church who are serving in faraway places right now, even today. And that's good and that's appropriate. But, you know, there's no hierarchy of service in the kingdom, right? I mean, there's nobody who, like, well, you're a super Christian, or, you know, if you love God, you, you come to church. And if you really love God, then you, you know, you, you you be a pastor or something. And if you really, really, really love God, then you kind of get on a plane and go across to some faraway place. And then if you really, 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 really love God, then you serve in the nursery. <laughs> there, there, there's no hierarchy, though, is there? I mean, we're all on level ground at the foot of the cross. That got some of you. You see, if you're a business person and you're bringing the light of the gospel into the boardroom or or you're a doctor or nurse and you're bringing it into the hospital or you're a teacher and you're bringing it into the classroom and you're living on mission every day, you are a missionary. If you're a little league coach, uh, you're serving in your community, whatever you're doing, because where you are doesn't make you a missionary. The mission you are on is what makes you a missionary. The question is, what mission are you on? Do you know? This is how we've talked so much in, in the days uh, of the life of this church about the International Learning Center. It's, it all started with God speaking to one of our church members, and she said, Yes, I'll be, I'll step out in faith and see what it would look like to teach people English. And in the midst of that, share God's word with them and share them the love of Christ and then other people getting involved. But let me tell you about something that just happened this past weekend, and I'll try to get through this. But a friend of mine texted me Friday night. I was at a JBA event and a friend of mine texted me, he said, Rick, we we're supposed to get together in a few days down in, uh, in fact, this evening down in Clearwater. And he says, a pastor friend of mine, and he said, Rick, uh, um, our family's gone through a tragedy. I'm not going to be able to meet with you in Clearwater because my son and daughter-in-law uh, were expecting and they were at the hospital. But unfortunately, unexpectedly, uh, they delivered stillborn. This just happened a couple days ago here in our city. He said, but while we were there, there was this lady named Lisa, who was a labor and delivery nurse, and Lisa prayed with our family, and she wrapped her arms around us there in the hallway, and she just was God's agent in that moment to bring hope and help and comfort as a healthcare professional who loves Jesus and will step into our pain and our hurt and our loss and love us. And he was contacting me to, to get her cell phone number because he wanted to call her and thank her. Now, many of you know who I'm talking about. She's a lady who's been connected with this church for a long time. And here's what we know. Lisa didn't, she wasn't always a nurse. In fact, when I first met her, she was a banker, which is a great thing to be formally by. <laughs> but no, she, she was, a, and, and through a, a personal family tragedy or, or crisis with one of their children, a health crisis of years ago, God called Lisa out of the the, the marketplace and into healthcare, not just as a career change, but as a calling. That was her sentness. And and day in, day out, if you know her, she understands that that this employment of her is a service to God as she is fulfilling her mission of living sent there at the hospital. And so countless people will encounter her on the very, very best day of their life, or, unfortunately, sometimes on the very worst day of their life. And either way, she's there to share the love of Christ with her. You see, the only thing that makes her different is she's figured out who she's sent to. She figured out to, to whom she is sent. And that's something we all, if you follow Jesus, you've got to come to grips with. And that brings us to the next point. Are you listening? Four of you. Great. All right. Living sent means you begin right where you are. Living sent means you you begin right where you are. Look at the book of Acts. Jesus said that we would be his witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. We need to take all of the gospel to all of the world, all of the time, at the same time. There's not a sequence to it. There's not an order to it. Should we be going around the world? Yes. Should we be going across the United States? Yes. Should we be going across Jacksonville? Yes. Should I be walking across my neighborhood and talking to my neighbors as, as the represent? I mean, you realize that the neighborhood you live in is not happenstance, right? The Bible's clear about this. The, the neighborhood you live in isn't just where the realtor decided to take you that day. God has appointed the boundaries and places where people live so that people may know him. You're the missionary to your neighborhood. You're the missionary to your community. And it begins right where you are. I love what Richard Blackaby says about this. He said, God will always position your life where it can be the most impactful, not the most comfortable. God will always position your your life where it can be the most impactful, not the most comfortable. You see, you can use your faith just to survive, or you can use it to make a difference. What's your choice? What are you going to say? You're just trying to get through are you trying to live sent? You see, we use that phrase a lot around here, don't we? We, we have it, they have a room back here where it's written on the wall and we talk about it, but it's important to have a biblical anchor to understand what it means to live in, in the person and the ministry and the mission of Jesus Christ. But look at the next thing. Living sent means we live with bold courage. Now you might want to put your steel toed boots on because I'm about to tell you what bold courage looks like. About 5 or 6 years ago I in fact it was uh, in 2010 I was in Brazil in the Amazon region of Brazil I was doing a pastors conference I was invited there by another pastor and we were in a very very remote place in fact we were the first people from North America to ever lead a conference in this little village 7 hours boat ride from any major city and pastors had been coming there for 3 days by boats their families it was just a humbling experience and I'm I'm sitting in this very this very basic building, uh, concrete block building. Uh, of course, no electricity, no air conditioning. Literally, you know, monkeys and things. <laughs> you hear kind of jaguars in the jungle. I mean, there's this is we're deep in the jungle. And I'm sitting in this church building in this village, and I keep seeing all these yellowish T-shirts. I think we have a picture of one. Uh, I don't know if we have. Can we bring that up? Yeah, it's coming up. Yeah, that picture. And I don't speak Portuguese or Brazilian, and so I mean everybody had these these T-shirts on, and so I asked somebody. So what is? Tell me what that says. And that says in the their language in Portuguese, "a thousand churches by 2014." Isn't it tremendous? Or it is tremendous? And I was like, "A thousand churches? What what's going on here?" So I asked them, "What what do you mean by a thousand churches by 2014?" Now this was 2010. And so they were talking about four years from then. They they had this vision, this bold courage to plant a thousand churches. And what it was is they had a network of churches in the very remote parts of the tributaries there, in the the, the very uh, you know dark places, uh, you know remote places of the Brazil uh, of the Amazon. And uh, they had this vision of about two hundred. They had about two hundred congregations, little tribal congregations, these little villages. And they had this vision, they were all part of a network, kind of like our network, the Jacksonville Baptist Network, about 200 congregations. And they had this vision that they were going to, actually about 250, they were going to go from 250 in two years, each one of those churches were going to plant another church. And then in 2012, all of those 500 churches were going to plant 250 more, or excuse me, 500 more churches. They were going to duplicate themselves. So they were going to go from 250 to 500, and then 500 to 1,000 in four years. And here's what's so bold about it. They believed it so much, they printed up a T-shirt and began to wear it. When's the the last time you believe something so big and so huge from God that you're willing to print up a T-shirt and start wearing it around and say, look how big my God is. Takes a lot of courage, doesn't it? It takes a big view of a big God to do something like that, folks. That is bold. And they printed up the t-shirts. Amazing. By the way, they had all the flags of all the countries. And this, I mean, no air conditioning, no, like, I mean, I don't want to be, I know we haven't had lunch or anything, but they, they slaughtered the fattened calf that day for us. When I say they slaughtered the fattened calf, they slaughtered the fattened calf that day for us for lunch. Okay. Uh, this is a very remote place and they had all the flags in there. And guess what? There they had the United States flag. They saw themselves as living sin so passionately that they're coming here to tell us in our culture about Jesus along with many others. A lot of things we can learn from them. Here's probably, um, I've lost count. Was that number six? Yep, thank you. Here's number seven, last thing. We made it. Living sin begins by saying yes to God. It begins by saying yes. You see, there is an expectation of obedience. I don't think Jesus gives us this, uh, command to, to live sent as an option. Uh, you've probably heard the, the illustration before, but, you know, Francis Chan talks about, you know, well, I'll not pick on Reagan, but Reagan's my 11 year old daughter and uh, she's serving, uh, and we worship, I believe, right? Today? Yeah. And, uh, this isn't true. Reagan keeps her room really clean. But, but let's say I go to Reagan and I say, Reagan, I want you to, I want you to clean your room. And then a couple hours later, I come back and I find Reagan and I go, Reagan, tell me about your room. She said, Oh, dad, dad, I I took what you said very seriously. In fact, I've been meditating on it over and over. And, um, dad, I want you to know something. Um, uh, I've memorized what you said. And, and I even went back and looked at what it meant in the Greek, dad. And later on, I'm going to have some friends over, and we're going to gather around. We're going to talk about what would it look like to clean my room. (laughs) Again, this is like, this is funny, but somehow we think that's normal in the church, that that we can just kind kind of look at what Jesus said and think about it. But when Jesus comes back, you know what I think he's going to ask? Where are they? Who, Lord? Where are they? The disciples. The disciples I told you to go and make. You see, I, I said, go and make disciples, and then I ascended, and I expected you to do that. So we have a part, collectively as a church and individually as a family and, and at the personal level, and it begins by saying yes. I want to take you back to a moment about it's, almost been, it's been almost 20 years now, it's about 19 years ago. And Camille and I were in an experiencing weekend, experiencing God weekend for couples with Henry and Marilyn Blackaby. And I don't know if you know who Henry Blackaby is, but he authored the material, the Experiencing God materials and uh, many other things. And, and Henry has this deep, booming voice that is almost as deep as Colonel Dan's voice. And when he speaks, it sounds like the Lord Almighty is speaking. And, uh, so we were having this, this fantastic weekend. Just, uh, again, I was in banking. Camille was serving with a nonprofit that, uh, this is before kids. We're down living in Merritt Island, but we were up in Daytona for this marriage weekend. And we knew that God was kind of up to something in our life and we weren't really sure what to do next. Um, weren't really sure what it meant. And, and I remember just walking on the beach that morning and I, I don't remember all the exact words, but we just kind of grabbed each other's hands. Because we knew God was just stirring something up in us. And we just said, Lord, as, as best we know, as best we know, we're saying yes to you. We're saying yes. We don't, we don't even know exactly what it is, but we're saying yes. You see, it was in that moment that I think God was just waiting for us to kind of get our heart fully yielded to him. Not that it's ever there, because you know, here's the deal. The problem with living sacrifices is we kind of put ourselves on the altar, and then we want to crawl off the altar, Right? And daily, moment by moment, we've got to kind of put our yes back on the table. What I will tell you is in that moment when we said yes to God, it was like our spiritual life went into a whole nother gear. You see, I think too many times in my life and perhaps in yours, I'm waiting for God to kind of open up a pathway and then I'll go, yeah, I'll do that. Maybe God's waiting for you to say yes and then he'll open up the pathway. That's exactly what happened in our life because when we said yes, all kinds of things began to happen in our life that God was bringing to fruition. And just a short time later, we were moving and we were selling things. We were selling our house and we were moving to another state. We were doing all these things because our yes, I brought one here just for fun, our yes was on the table. You see, that says yes in the balcony. Um, I, I think I think in this, our spiritual life, we have to get to a point where we're we, with living sin means this. It means we're saying yes to God. So I don't know how you rolled in here this morning. You may be, maybe really far from God. You may be um, just kind of broken at a place of brokenness, and and, and you're not sure where God can got to get the handle on you. I can just say you start by saying yes. Or you may have been here for a while and you've been walking with the Lord, but maybe you've been distracted. Maybe you've kind of settled for some lesser things that seemed attractive at the time. Maybe it was career. Maybe it was money. Maybe it was fame. Maybe whatever. Fill in the blank of whatever the the functional savior that you've been chasing. And you need to lay that down and and just kind of put your yes back on the altar. Or maybe you've been walking for the, with the Lord for a long time and you're like, Rick, I think I'm there, but Lord, I just need to tell you, my yes is still there. My yes is committed and, and, and driven deep, deep here, Lord. So that's my message today. Living sent, it's not an option. You want to see more peace in your life? You want to see more peace in this world? You want to know how you're going to serve God more fully next week, next month, next year? It starts by saying yes. Unqualified, no strings attached, yes. Now, lest you think I'm really, really spiritual, in that moment when we were standing on the beach, there was part of me that was saying, but I hope it's not Africa or China or somewhere, you know? But as, as sincere as I knew how to be in that moment, my yes was sincere. My yes was authentic. And I think that's what God's waiting on. I think he's waiting on some people with with an authentic yes. I think that's what it looks like for my people to be called by my name to humble themselves and to seek his face. I think what we're saying is, Lord, we're sorry. We're sorry for chasing ourselves. We're sorry for chasing after our desires. We're sorry. And, Lord, we need to repent from that and come back and say yes to you. You see, I don't know how to live my life and know what to say no to if I don't know what to say yes to. You see, every no should be rooted in a deeper yes. If you've got your yes planted firmly before the Lord, when things come along that will try to distract you or dissuade you or move your passion somewhere else, you'll be able to say, no, my yes is right here. This is my yes, and those other things will fade away. So that's it, live with faith, live with boldness, live with confidence, and live with the peace of knowing that you live, if you're a follower of Jesus, you live sent. Let's pray. Lord, thank you that you came not only to tell us the way, but you came and showed us the way. And Lord, you are the way. You are the only one and true God. And Lord, I pray that here this morning as we enter into a time to respond with our hearts and say yes to you, say yes to your word, that we would take a long look at our own life, our own relationships, our own, just take inventory of how we're living and honestly assess how we're doing with your command to live on mission. Lord, I pray that you would convict our hearts where we fall short, Lord, I pray that we would leave here more engaged more fully into your mission and more immersed in your presence. Lord, we need your peace. And we know we can only have that peace because of the completed work on the cross. Friend, if you're here today, perhaps you've never put Jesus right at the top of your life and and just sunk your life right into the middle of his. Maybe today is the day you need to do that. In just a moment, the musicians are going to play. We're going to sing. We're going to have a time to respond. It's not just a way to end a, a service. It's a it's a very important time for us to, to reflect back to the Lord what he has said to us. So if you're here this morning and you just maybe need to stay right where you are and maybe just lift a hand and lift your heart to the Lord and recommit yourself to him this morning, maybe that's what you need to do. You may need to come down to this altar. It will be open. Uh, pastors will be here to receive you. Whatever you need to do today, the right time to do it is right now. If the events of our world can teach us anything, is that we are not promised another moment. So please don't delay. Please don't delay. Whatever God's calling you to do, do it now. Lord, we give this time to you. Holy Spirit, convict our hearts. May we be honest and true to you today. In your name we pray. Amen. As we sing, won't you stand and do as the Lord directs.